Life is constantly pulling us in different directions, but as followers of Christ, we should invest our time and efforts in the things that matter. This is the fourth message in the series, Take the Journey. This message is entitled, Invest in What Matters. Here is Justin McAuliffe. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody doing good? Everybody awake? All right, well, uh, my name is Justin and we are uh, in the fourth week of a series called Take the Journey. You guys, you guys enjoying this journey so far? Some of you might be saying, are we there yet? When we go on long journeys with our kids, it's, it's just a matter of time before our kids start saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet, right? Well, we're in the fourth week of this series and before I forget, in a couple weeks, you know, Pastor Dale's not here right now, but in a couple weeks, he's gonna start a brand new series called Tides, Winds, and Currents on the Life of Daniel. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. That's gonna start August 14th and 15th. And so, man, Pastor Dale, he's on a study break right now, but he's gonna be coming in hot. So you wanna come back for that series in a couple weeks, Tides, Winds, and Currents on the Life of Daniel. So don't forget to be a part of that. But we're in our fourth week, like I said, and, and like I said, usually when we're on road trips, it's just a matter of time where our kids uh, start saying, hey, Dad, are we there yet? Are we de- there yet? And, and let me give you a trick that my uncle did for me. So if your kids ever start saying that, my uncle, he showed me the, uh, the coolant gauge on the car dashboard, you know, the one that says cool and hot. And he says, hey, we'll be there when this needle gets to the red, right? And so the whole time, I'm just sitting there as a little kid just watching that needle, and guess what? It never moved at all. So parents, put that in your back pocket for your, for your kids uh, when they start saying, are we there yet? But it's exciting. We're in this, uh, let me just, we're in this series called Take the Journey, and I just wanna recap a little bit uh, where we have been. The first week we uh, Jessica spoke and she uh, talked about starting now on this journey, right? That there's no better time to start than today. You might've heard uh, somebody say, hey, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today, right? And so if we wanna get growing in our life in this, and uh, in our walk with God and in this discipleship process, we need to start now, right? And then Sam, he spoke about don't go alone. He said, hey, a journey is better when you're with friends. A journey is better when you have somebody to go on that journey with you. And we have things here at Church of the Redeemer. We have groups. We have classes. We have meetings like this where you can meet somebody. Go find one person that you connect with here at Church of the Redeemer and get on this journey so we don't go alone. Last week, Craig said, hey, you know what? Every journey, on every journey, you're gonna have to go to the pump, right? You're gonna have to fuel up because at some point, you know, you get running on empty. And the things in our life, the pain, the hurts, the, 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 the negative habits that we found ourselves in can just drain us on this journey. And you have to go to God. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up and get in a practical approach to dealing with those problems and the pain in our life. Well, today I wanna talk to you about investing in what matters. Can we say that together? Say invest in what matters. But before we do, I wanna review our definition of what it means to be a disciple. This take the journey, this journey of discipleship that Jesus has called us all to. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is being a personal follower and learner and imitator of Jesus, right? as being a personal follower, learner, and imitator of Jesus. So if I were to ask you a question right now based off of this definition, which words right here would be the most important? 
Which words out of this definition would be the most important? Anybody have an idea? Imitator? It's kind of a trick question because I put all those in brackets, so your mind is going right there. But I want to tell you that these are the most important. These words of Jesus are the most important. Why are they the most important? Because they qualify the follower, the learner, and the imitator. You see, we live in a world right now where there's followers all over the place. You have an Instagram account. You have a Facebook. How many followers do you got, right? We can be misconstrued on these definitions. There's learners. There's, there's ways that we can learn. There's imitators out there all in the world. But these two words right here separate it all. It qualifies what we're doing here. We're not just on a journey. We're on a journey to be a follower, learner, and imitator of Jesus, right? And that means that we gotta go to God's word and see what God's word says about it, right? Let's see what Jesus says about uh, being a personal follower. So we're gonna review our text here, Matthew 4, 18 verses, uh, or chapter four, verse 18, verse 22. Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make you a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed a short distance down the beach. They came upon another pair of brothers, Jesus, or James and John, Zebedee's sons, these two were sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their fishnets. Jesus made the, he made the same offer to them. What offer did he make them, right? To turn him from their regular work to this new kind of work, right? It's the same offer. He made the same offer to come follow him and then this transition of their, their work, right? So he made the same offer to them and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning boat and, fa and father. You see, when I wanna talk to you today about this passage is that Jesus, this passage said that James, or Peter and James, they had their regular work, right? But Jesus invited them to come follow them and he said, I will show you a new kind of work. You see, on this journey that we're, we're going on with God, on being a disciple of Jesus, we have our regular work. But as we follow Jesus, he says that he'll show us uh, how to transform our regular work, what we normally do, and give it a purpose. Give it a new kind of perspective, a new, a new way of doing it, right? He said, I'm, you're, you're a fisherman, but I'm gonna teach you how to fish for men and women. The, another version might say, I'm gonna teach you to be fishers of men, right? It's the same kind of work with a different purpose, a different perspective. And Jesus invited these four individuals on this journey to show them how to transform this mindset to invest and bring purpose to their regular work, right? And so I wanna to talk to you about a word today, the word invest. You see, we're, you saw that roadmap that I started out with and did a recap with, right? And see, now we're on the part of a journey where we're moving from partakers to contributors, right? From partakers to contributors. And on this journey, Jesus wants us to understand, hey, 
there's a decision that we all have to make. And this decision revolves around investing your life in a purposeful way, to invest your life in a way that matters. You see, when we think of this word investment, we all, all kinds of different things come to our minds. Money, right? Stock market, 401ks. If you're watching the Olympics right now, an investment may mean, hey, I'm investing my time for something of reward, right? So everybody has this different definition of investment, but all I wanna say is that really an investment is putting in, right? There's putting something in and getting something out, right? You put something in, you get something out. You put something in and you get something out. You can't invest without putting in, right? And it's not a good investment unless you get something out, right? You see, the Bible might call this uh, giving, right, and receiving. If you read the Bible, you hear that a lot, giving and receiving. So today I wanna just take us through this part right here. I wanna use this word because we can't invest unless we give. We can't invest our lives unless we give. We can't invest unless we put in. This is not a picture of giving, is it? A closed fist. You see, an open fist is a picture of giving. And so if we're gonna invest our lives, we're gonna have to give part of our lives into God's kingdom purposes, and he's gonna show us how to do that. So I wanna give us, talk about three things that will help us, three principles that are gonna help us to be givers. And the first one from God's word is that I believe that God desires us to be givers. You see, I believe that God desires for all of us in here to be givers. It's his greatest, it's one of his greatest desire is, is for us to be givers. And why is that? It's because God is a giver, he's a rewarder, and he is a refresher. Let me focus here. God is a giver. You see, God, God modeled the way for us to give. God modeled the way so we would know how to give. He, de, he desires it. As a father, I'm an imperfect father, right? I have five kids, but it would, be, it would be cruel of me to expect something from my kids without showing them the way, right? Without teaching them how to do it. Well, God did that. He, he is a giver. He modeled the way. And I would say that, I'm gonna say God modeled the way for us, right? The next is that God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. And in that, I'm gonna say, you know what? God gave us a pattern. He desires us to be givers, so he modeled the way, and he gave us a pattern of giving. He's a rewarder, and he's a refresher. And I'm gonna say here that God gave us a process of giving. So God set us up to win here. He's given us, he has a desire for us to be givers, so he modeled the way. He's given us a pattern to give, and he's established a process of the giving. Let's go to God's word and see what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave. Is God a giver? Yeah, he gave, right? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God is a giver. He gave for the sake of eternity so that we could spend eternity with him. 
God gave his son so that we could spend eternity with him. But he also gave to equip us. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses four through seven. God's various gifts are handed out. God didn't keep them to himself. He handed them out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself, who's behind it all? Who's behind all this giving and handing out? God, because God is a giver. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Who is God? God is a giver, right? Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. You see, God gave us, he gave his son for, 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 so that we could spend eternity with him, but he also gave to each and every one of us so that we could be equipped for him on this process. So God is a giver, right? But he's also a rewarder. Let's look at this, Genesis 8, As long as the earth remains, there'll be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. You see, God wants to reward us. And God has established this pattern from the very beginning, all the way back in Genesis, of this reward system, this reward pattern, if you will, right? Called planting and harvesting. Some of you may have heard it as sowing and reaping, right? If I were to go and draw this right here, this pattern, right? What would come next? A circle, right? Then what would come after that? A square, right? That's what we call a pattern. You see, God has established a pattern of reward, right? Here in this this earth, it's a rewarding pattern, and it's this pattern of planting and harvesting, right? Let's take a look at Galatians 6, 7. God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest, right? The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. You see, here's the reward. Here's the reward of planting in God's kingdom and God's purposes is beautiful fruits in our lives. Anybody want some beautiful fruits growing in their life, right? But there's a pattern that we have, that we have to recognize is that, is that play here. God not only modeled the way, but he gave us a, a pattern to follow. The pattern is planting and harvesting, is sowing and reaping. So God has established this pattern for us. He desires us to bear fruit in our lives. He wants us to understand that this pattern exists. There's a kingdom way of doing things. You see, the world has their own economy and the way that the economy works, supply and demand and investments and stock markets and all these kind of things. God's kingdom has a way of working also. It has an economy. And it, that economy works by planting and, and reaping, by sowing and harvesting. The Bible says if you don't plant, you don't reap, right? That's God's principle. That's God's pattern that he's established. Now let's go on. 
Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see, God is a refresher. So not only God desires all of us to be givers, but he desires it because one, he's a good father, so he showed us the way and he, and he established a rewarding system, a pattern that we can be rewarded from because, man, it would be a hard thing to just work, 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 and then not see any fruit, right? That's a hard life. God didn't want that for us, but he also wanted us to be refreshed. He also wanted us to be refreshed. The natural tendency to think is that if I give, if I, if I pour out of myself, right? What happens when you pour something out? What's left? Emptiness, right? If you pour everything out, if I continue to give and give and give, our natural mindset is to think that I can't give anymore. You see, but God established a refreshing system when we get on this, when we understand this concept of of giving in our life, of investing into the kingdom. When you invest in the world, you, you give and you may not get, you may get tired. If I keep working and working and working, I may, give t- I may get tired, I may have nothing else to give. But in God's kingdom, in God's economy, when we give, he refreshes us. And it's like, it's, it's more of a, a symbol like this. It's a refreshing symbol, right? We give out, God pours in. We give out, God pours in. We give out, God pours in. You see, that's the way that God works in this kingdom principle. The second point is not only that God desires us to give, but we all have something to give. We all have something to give. There's something that every single one of us have that God has given us to give. You might not think that you have anything to give, but God has given each and every one of us something to give. And what has God given us? He's given us our time, our talents, and our treasure. You see, we all have this right here. We all have this. But what would hold us back? If we all had this, what would hold somebody back from investing this? What would hold somebody back from investing their time or their talent or their treasure? If they knew that they had it, what would be the thing that would hold us back? I would venture to say that the thing that would um, hold us back is that we don't see the value in those things in our life. You see, if I knew that my time had value, would I spend my time a little bit more judiciously, a little bit more strategically, a little bit more purposefully? Would I, would I be very uh, in tune on where all my time is going and where I'm investing my time if I realized that my time had value? Yeah. What about my talents? Same thing. If I knew, if I believed that the gifts that God had for me were valuable and useful, do you think that I would take extra diligence in investing those talents wisely? Yeah, absolutely. The same thing with our treasure, right? Our treasure, our talents are our gifts and skills and our abilities. Our treasure is our financial and physical resources that God has given to us. If I knew that those things had value, would I invest those things right, more purposefully. Absolutely, I would. So what do we, I wanna leave you with this to help give a value to our time, our talents, and our treasure. 
And this statement right here, I hope that you write it down somewhere, keep it in your Bible, just as a remembrance that what God has given us is valuable. Our time makes a difference, amen? Where our time goes matters. Do you know what? I would say that our time matters so much that it matters when you're not here, just as much as it matters when you are here, right? It matters when I, if I'm not available for my family and my kids, but it also matters when I am available for my, for my family and my kids, right? The same works for the kingdom of God. My time makes a difference. It makes a difference positively when I show up. It makes a difference when I don't show up. My time makes a difference. Our talents serve others. Our gifts, our abilities. God didn't just give us the gifts and abilities in our life for our own benefit. He gave us our talents to serve other people. And our treasure changes lives. Our physical and our financial resources that God has blessed us with, they have the ability to change lives. I'm reminded of this church. This church has been here for 35 years. We just celebrated uh, 35 years uh, this summer. And we've been in partnership with a church in Lima, Peru for that long, uh, at least that long. And that church in Lima, Peru, they have an orphanage. And a lot of you have given physical resources to that orphanage. Some of you have gone to mission trips and given your time. Some of you have helped build some of the classrooms and given some of your skills and abilities. Some of you have given your treasure and your financial resources, you know, to that orphanage, right? And all of that, at the end of the day, Right, Those kids that started out in that orphanage 35 plus years ago when that orphanage was built, do you think that that changed their life? Absolutely. That changed their life because somebody recognized that my time, treasure, and talent has value. And if I invest that into God's kingdom, it's gonna make a difference. It's gonna serve others and it's gonna change lives. Let's see what God's word has to say about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Uh, we read this verse just a few minutes ago, but let's revisit it. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something. There is something that you have that is of value to God. You see, these four individuals that Jesus walked up upon on the Sea of Galilee, they were doing their ordinary thing. They were just fishing. But God says, you have something. You have something to do that shows, that's gonna show the world who God is. And I would say that to us today. Each one of us has something. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. You see, how can God expect us to give, right, all of us to give if he didn't give to everyone? We all have something that we can give. God is not a cruel God. He's not commanding us or inviting us to give and be a part of this journey and then not give you anything to give, right? He's given something to everyone. He's given something for me. He's given something to you. He's given something to everyone to give. First Peter 4, 
What's that say? Each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all have unique gifts. We all have unique talents. We all are at different places with our resources. We are at different seasons with our time. But each of us, each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others. You see, we all have something here that we can give. So God desires for us to give. We all have something to give. So I wanna tell us, choose to be a giver. Now I wanna share a story with you about my own personal life and how this kinda came together for me when I was a college student uh, living in Oklahoma. You see, uh, our church, actually, I came out of a very hard season in my life. You know, a very hard season where in an in, I had my life planned out and then in an instant I felt like I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. Just something changed in an instant. It took me into a, a depression for about three months. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I had my life planned out, circumstances happened, and boom, like that, it was like, what am I gonna do with my life? I've, I went through a series of depression that my life, what, what value does my life have, right? What purpose does my life have? And I went to a church service, and the pastor uh, was talking about um, a serving opportunity at a youth group. And he said, hey, is there anybody here? We have a youth ministry that we're just starting. Is there anybody here, you know, that would want to volunteer in that youth ministry? Man, I didn't really want to, <laughs> to be honest. I've been in three months of depression. I didn't think that I had anything to give. I find myself in the middle of a church service and now a pastor's asking me to get involved. I did not feel like I had anything to give. But for some reason, I raised my hand. And then he, he took it a step farther. He said, hey, all of you raise your hand. Just stand up because I just wanna pray. I just wanna pray with you. And he prayed over us. And that very next day, that was a Sunday night, that very next day on a Monday, I went down 30 minutes across town, right? and started serving in this youth group. Do you know what happened that day? My life changed almost in an instant. For three months, I was in this, in bed, it covered up in a dark room, in a dark place, going through depression, trying to see what, what's next for my life, trying to understand what value I had. And it took me getting out of myself and investing in something that God was doing where God took my eyes off of me and put it on somebody else and started serving somebody else where God just took me out of that moment, that moment of depression, that season of depression for my life. You see, God desires all, he desires that same for us. He modeled the way he's given us this process, but he, he refreshed me in that moment. I gave him my time and he refreshed my soul because I was able to give uh, back into something that God was doing in the church. And I wanna encourage you today that you may be in a place and you're like, what value does my life have? Okay, you say that I have something to give. Okay, I recognize that. I got time, treasure, and talents, but what value? You see, what was interesting about Matthew in our text, Jesus, that, that phrase that said that they, the disciples didn't ask any questions, that always, why wouldn't you ask any questions? Why? What, like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, you come, I'm going to follow you, but what are we going to do? But you know what it said right before that? 
Jesus said, I will show you, right? He said, I'll show you. You see, at this point in the discipleship process, you get to this place where Jesus wants to show you your value. He wants to show it to you. You don't enter in always knowing the, the grand purpose of the investment that your life is gonna make in the kingdom of God. It's a process, but you know what you gotta do? You gotta choose to be a giver. And the rewards of giving far outweigh the, the, the gift that we give, far outweigh that. For me, man, these things came together in my life and I've recognized the value of, of investing into the kingdom of God. The rewards on that will forever be on my life because I chose to be a giver. So I wanna leave you three things here on how to be a giver. The, how to be the best giver that we can be. And the first thing that I wanna leave you with is that we need to be wise. We need to be wise givers. What is wisdom? People will say that wisdom is knowledge, right? G, knowledge plus application. Knowledge and application. You see, I can have the knowledge and not know how to apply that knowledge. Would you call, call me a wise person? My 13-year-old daughter thinks she knows how to drive a car, right? Oh, man, it's easy. All you gotta do is put your foot on the gas and then you pull this lever here and then this thing right here, like you, you just turn it wherever you wanna go, right? <laughs> she has some knowledge, right? But you think I'm gonna hand her the keys to my car? You think that would be wise? Why? She doesn't know how to apply that knowledge. Either she has partial knowledge or she's lacking the application. So wisdom is having knowledge and the application of how to apply that knowledge. So let's see what Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says. The kingdom of God is like a treasure, but it's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. You see, this concept of, of investing your life in the kingdom of God is similar to this. We have time, we have talent, we have treasure. And when we realize what we have, right? When we have the knowledge of what we have in our hands, the usefulness of what we have, and then we have the application of what to do with that, it's like this man. You're gonna invest in the very, in, into that very thing, into the kingdom of God. That's what this man did. He said, man, I, I went and I, there was a treasure hidden in this field. I found it and I hid it again. I just went and bought the whole thing. He was all in. When we realize that we have something to give a value to God and that that, the degree of that value, we're gonna go and we're gonna be all in. We're gonna invest everything that we have into God's kingdom. That's wisdom. How about this? 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 20 and 21. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. occasions. And the cheap ones, ah, they're for everyday use, right? If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil, right? 
for honorable use, your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you, right, for every good work. You see, we just said wisdom is knowledge and application. If you can bring my tools up here for me. Thank you, Carlos. Just to illustrate this point here on, about wisdom, knowledge and application, I have two tools here. And you can probably kind of see what these tools are. This is a spatula and this is a fly swatter, right? They look the same. I mean, they, right? They generally have the same look. They have the same shape. This one even has slats in it. This has holes in it, but it's okay. I can kind of use it for the same thing, right? But would I cook my omelet that I made this morning with this fly swatter? Absolutely not. You see, knowledge might tell me, right? It might deceive me because it might say, hey, that looks the same, so it should function the same. But this verse right here is saying, hey, no, there's some tools, some tools that are used for special things, and then there's some tools used for not so special things. That's the same in our life. If we don't recognize that we are a tool set aside for special things, we won't invest ourselves to be used by God in a special way. We'll, be, we'll continue to live our life investing in things just the way that the world invests in things. But God is calling us to invest our lives into purposeful kingdom things. When we realize that, we become a special utensil, honorable, and that the master can use for every good work. Amen? Amen. We can choose this wisdom or not, right? We, this isn't a, a, a something that is forced upon us. You see, we have a decision to make. Do we want to be a wise giver or do we not want to be a wise giver? Well, how do we not be a wise giver? Well, we can choose not to invest at all. We can choose not to plant. And the Bible says what? If we don't plant, we don't harvest, right? If we don't sow, we don't reap. That's, that's what the Bible says. But another way that we can act is that we can only give partially. We can only give partially. Would you say that that's wisdom? Absolutely not. That's not a wise investment. Let's look at Malachi chapter three, verses eight. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You see, here's an example of somebody who wasn't being wise, right? They had the knowledge, but the way that they were applying that knowledge was part in a partial way. And God said, look, you are robbing me you have time, you have this treasure, and I want you to invest it in my kingdom. But they didn't apply it the way that God had asked them to apply it. So God says, you're robbing me. You're not being wise, givers. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, right? So that's a way that we can choose not to partake and be wise with what God has given us. Here's another one. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because 
it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, the Bible distinguishes here. A wise man is, a, is one who what? Who hears God's word and applies it who isn't just satisfied with the knowledge, but applies it. He says it's like a man who built his house on a rock. And then he says there's this foolish man, right? He has the knowledge to build the house, but he doesn't know the proper application. He built it on the sand. So God wants us to be a wise giver. Secondly, God wants us to be faithful givers. And Pastor Dale's not here right now, but man, he put a video together to help me teach this point. So let's take a look at this video. You know, in this series of messages, we're talking about the importance of taking a journey with Jesus. And we're looking at the whole story of the disciples as Jesus came by the seashore of Galilee and spoke to them and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And there that day, they made the decision to follow Jesus. They made the decision to become his disciples, his learners, his students. And we're in this process of uh, this series, we're talking about how do we really become students of Jesus? What do we need to do so that we're really walking with him day by day? And I wanna to talk to you about an important element of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means learning to be faithful, learning how to live a faithful life. Now, for many of us, we think, you know, I could never be everything that Jesus wants me to be. He wants me to be this kind of person that I don't feel like I'm capable of being. But what I want you to know is that Jesus works in you by his Holy Spirit to help you to actually take the things that he's provided for you and the things he's doing in and through you to be faithful with those things. Notice what Luke chapter 16 says to us in verse number 10. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus is talking about the principle of learning how to be trusted with what's given to us. And in your life, as a follower of Jesus, you've been entrusted with some things. You've been entrusted with time. You have a life on earth. You have time. You have treasure. There's a certain amount of uh, material resource that he's given you, and you have talent that God has given to you. And it's extremely important that you become faithful in those areas, that you learn how to be trusted with what God has given to you and what God has given to me. And to be trusted or be faithful in these things means that we put them to use. We put them to use for God's kingdom. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 of uh, Jesus telling the story of a master who called three of his workers together and said, I'm gonna go away for a period of time and I want you to take care of some of my business. And to one of, his, uh, one of the workers he had, he gave five talents or five bags of gold and to another one he gave two and to the final one he gave one bag of gold and said, I'm going away. And so he entrusted something to them. The Bible says that after a long time, he came back and he asked those three workers to come and have an accounting session with him. And he asked them what they had done with what had been given to them. And the man with the five bags of gold or the five talents had now taken his five and invested them and made 10 for the master. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And the man with two had taken his two and now had multiplied it, doubled it to four. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. And there in that moment, he was affirmed in his faithfulness. But the man who was given one did not do anything with what was given to him 
and he was considered to be unfaithful. So what does it mean to be faithful? What it means to be faithful is really simple. It's to take what God has given to you and invest it in the work of his kingdom, to invest your time into the work of his kingdom. Give your time to God. Even every day, you start your day saying, God, this is your day. I wanna live in a way that honors you. Inviting God to guide you day by day and investing your time in the service of the kingdom of God, the service of the church. It involves taking your treasure. Your treasure is that portion of material resources that God has given to you and giving back to him, investing something of your treasure for the work of God. Often that happens in the tithe, that we give a tenth portion back to God and saying, God, I know that you've blessed me. I want to give to you. I want to return to you what really belongs to you, that tenth portion. It involves taking your talents, your gifts, your abilities, and using them not just to provide for you and your family, but to advance the kingdom of God. And so the real issue uh, for you and me in our lives is to learn to be trusted by God with the things he has entrusted to us. That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is being trusted to use what has been entrusted to us in a way that advances God's kingdom. So my encouragement to you today is for all of us to become real disciples of Jesus, real followers of Jesus, real students of Jesus. And to be a student of Jesus means to learn faithfulness, to be faithful with our time, to be faithful with our treasure, to be faithful with our talents, to take what he's given to us and invest them in the work of his kingdom in a way that creates increase and blessing. Take that challenge. Let's all do that together. And let's start it today. That's good. So God, not only to be a good giver, we not only got to be wise, but we got to be faithful. Amen. And our last one here tonight is that we need to be enthusiastic. So I believe that if we're wise givers, if we're faithful givers, and we're enthusiastic givers, we're setting ourselves up to be the best, that, to invest our life the best into God's kingdom. Look what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians. He said, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. You see, it's one thing to show up, but it's another to show up enthusiastically, right, to a place. It's one thing to give, but it's another to give enthusiastically. It's a much better for you and it's much better for, for whoever we're giving to, right? That we can learn to be an enthusiastic giver. So let's recap today's message. One, I believe that God is calling us all to be on this discipleship journey. He's wanting us to start this discipleship journey. We're at this point where God is saying, hey, you know what? I want you to invest your life so that I can show you the true purpose of your life. You may have your day job, you may have the work that you do, but as you follow me, I will show you a new kind of work that he has for you. And that is God's desire for us to be givers. God's modeled the way, he set up a pattern for giving, he set up the principle and the process of giving for our life. And God desires that for each and every one of us. He not only desires it, but he's given us all time, treasure and talents. He's given us all something. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what you feel like you have to give. The Bible is clear, and I believe the Bible, that God has given all of us something that we can give, a time, a treasure, and a talent, and that we need to choose to be givers. And if we're going to be good givers and invest our lives properly into God's kingdom, 
that we need to do that in a wise way. We need to give wholly to God, not partially to God or not give anything to God, but we need to give fully into God's kingdom to invest all that we have like the man who went and bought the field. And we gotta be faithful. We gotta be faithful givers. We gotta be committed to, to our giving and to investing in God's kingdom with our time, treasure, and talent. And we gotta be enthusiastic in our giving. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your word, that your word would go forth and take deep root into our hearts, that it would change us and transform us like you say it would do, Lord Jesus. God, help us to be investors, to invest our lives into God's kingdom and his purposes. And God, we believe, God, that that is a rewarding life, that an invested life in God's kingdom is a rewarded life. And so we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you've modeled the way for us, that you, that you yourself are a giver and that you've given so much into our lives. And Lord, you've given your son, you've given us the gifts, the talents, the time, and the treasure to give back to you. And I pray that we would live a life, God, of giving in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.